I've got to I've got to let you know that that as I as I come into this new year, I, I've made all these uh, plans to get some kind of better. Better at everything. It really, the truth is, is that I want my life to, to, to be better in almost every category. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better son. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be better. And so really, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be just a little bit better in every area. You know, there is no stopping uh, me from, from trying to have a little bit better strategy, uh, maybe take some vitamins, getting a little bit more sleep, uh, being trying to be a little bit more patient with my kids. I'm still working on that one. Uh, I, I want to be in better physical shape. I want to be better spiritual shape. And so I think about adding all these different things into my life so that I can become just a little bit better. And I've got to believe that I'm joined here by so many of you today that that want the same thing. You want just to be a little bit better in your life in some way. And and so as you as you kind of lean forward and try to live your life, you, you realize something that 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 just because we're trying to be better doesn't mean that we always end up getting better. <laughs> I, I mean Jesus, Jesus desires for us to be better, but there's not very much that we can do to make ourselves better. As a matter of fact, it's pretty clear. If you try in your own power and your own effort, you're not going to get better at all. And there's a lot of people in here that just heard that, that are really disappointed right now. <laughs> Please don't leave yet. There's more to come, okay? <laughs> There's more to come. You see, everything that we think about changing is just adding something else to our life. It's just adding something else to our life. But Jesus doesn't want just to simply add something to your life. He wants every part of our lives. Jesus is not uh, an additive. He is, is, doesn't just come in to fill the gaps. He has come so that we can submit our lives and our hearts to him completely and fully, trusting him with every part of our life, so much so that no part of our life makes sense without him. And I need somebody to understand that Jesus is coming soon. And if we don't recognize that Jesus is coming soon in our lives, then we lose a sense of urgency. We lose a desire in our lives to lean in and to listen to him and to wait on him and for him to come and use us and produce fruit in our lives so that we can in turn benefit the kingdom of God all around us. So, if Jesus is not simply something to be added, but instead he demands to be the source of our life, we have to ask ourselves a question. Just exactly what results is the Lord looking for as, as we look at our lives and we know that there needs to be some kind of changes? You see... In order to experience the great awakening that I believe the Lord has for this church, I believe that the Lord 
has a revival for Christ's legacy. I believe that the Lord is going to use Christ's legacy to affect a change in our community. I believe that the Lord is calling us in this season to grow and to love and to produce much fruit that has been planted and watered and nurtured and cared for for years and years. And it is time to receive a harvest that the Lord has invested in. Amen. Amen? Come on, we can do better than that. Say amen. amen. You see, God is coming soon. And we must have a sense of urgency about ourselves to participate in the awakening that God desires to have in our lives and in our families and in our church. God desires to pour out his spirit and God desires to have fruit that that blossoms and blooms in your life and in your family's life in this church. But how? What are we to do? What are we to change? What kind of new strategy, strategy should we employ? How much more of everything should we do? Should we busy ourselves with the work of the kingdom? All of these questions wait on our hearts and our minds. But I need us to understand that we have to be a church that understands that the only way to stand in victory and produce fruit is to kneel before God and remain in him. Amen. Remain in him. That's a, that's a word that's been heavy on my heart over this past week is remain. You see, I, I, I sat down with the staff months ago and we drew out a, a sermon series throughout most of the year. Months ago, we wrote that word down, remain. That was to be today's sermon title. But isn't it wonderful that we serve a God that in those moments of planning at the desk, that's the same Holy Spirit that comes in this moment of our lives. And that word that was just an idea uh, months ago is so fresh today. And it seems perfect for our time today. You see, I believe that God has a word for you this morning. There are people in this room that are tired that have been working so diligently, so hard. There are people here that are worried about so many different things. But I want to cut through all of the fear, all of the worry, all of the anxiety, all of the tiredness with one word that will change your life if you'll allow it. And that word is remain. Turn to somebody and say remain. If you will, turn in your Bibles or in your Bible app to John chapter 15. We're going to be reading from the very beginning of that chapter, starting in verse 1. This is a critical part and portion of Scripture because, uh, well, all Scripture turns out is. <laughs> but as we read, we find ourselves in the chapters between John chapter 13 and John chapter 17, which are known as the Upper Room Discourse. This is the series, this is the section of Scripture in John's Gospel that begins to tell us from the moment that the, that the disciples disciples were invited into the Last Supper. Jesus knelt before each one of his disciples and began to wash their feet. 
in servant leadership. Jesus predicted the betrayal of Judas and predicted Peter's denial. They had the Last Supper and they shared communion. And at the end of of that portion of Scripture, Jesus, the last... um, The last sentence of John chapter 14, Jesus said, come, let us go. Let's be going. Now, from John chapter 15 to John chapter 17, this is what John records for us that occurred between the end of the meal, the last supper, and and when Jesus was taken away to be crucified. Jesus had already demonstrated that he was fully aware what was about to occur through the predictions that he made. And so Jesus knew that his time with his disciples was short. And what happens when we know that we are about to leave someone? What happens is that we stop and we share our final instructions, the most important things, the reminders, the things that we have to have to tell those around us. And here Jesus has told his disciples, come, let us go. And on their way to the garden, Jesus begins to discuss the most important things for his disciples and for us to know before he was crucified. And that's where we begin in John chapter 15 when he says one of the I am statements in the book of John. He says, verse 1, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I need somebody to understand this morning that you're not the boss. Gentlemen, you can nudge your wife. At your own peril. (laughs) You're not the boss. One of the very first lessons in Christianity that we must learn in order to become servants of God is to understand that we are servants of God. We are not the boss. We are not the one in charge. He is. We are to demonstrate the result of the love and the care that God pours into us. It's not our job to be the gardener. It's not our job to be the vine. We are the branches. As a matter of fact, let me just make sure that everybody is tracking with us to this point. A grapevine is symbolic for for our relationship between us and God. And what Jesus is saying is he is that grapevine. He is that, that, that 
that plant that comes out of the ground that supports all of us branches. We are the branches. And the fruit of that vine and those branches is simply this, that we develop godly character, that we set godly examples for others, and we do effective service for the kingdom and for the king. That's our fruit. And God the Father is the gardener. He is the vine dresser. He is the one that's capable of cutting. And I need somebody to understand here this morning that that although you can see all the cares, all the worries, all the concerns of your life, although I'm sure that you're very smart, you're not the boss. He is. He is. And I wish that my kids were in here to listen to this message. Because from a very early age, even my one-year-old is struggling with this lesson. He's not the boss. And you know how frustrating it can be whenever you think you're the boss and you can't talk. And so the, the, just the other day, my son and I were in a fight. It was physical. Don't worry. I was able to control it. I told him to do something that he didn't want to do. My other children usually cried. This one went like this. You got to break that early. This is a, this is a, a, a side message, maybe a, a message for later on this year. But how many of you know that parents, if you don't take care of something little, the little problems get big, don't they? I'm not going to have big problems. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I'm going to try not to have big problems. Here's the thing. My kids, they're still learning this. But you and I, you and I, we still learn it, don't we? We look around in our lives, we notice needs, we have concerns, worries, fears, and we call on God and we ask God to do something in our life and he doesn't respond like we think that he ought to. And we look back up at him and we either cry, we pout, or we go. (laughs) And today, we need to be reminded that we're not the boss. He is. As ridiculous as it sounds, I wonder if that's how the Lord looks at us at times. We need to realize that he's the boss. He's the one with the plan. And we only have one simple job. One simple job. Produce fruit with our lives. We stay and we remain in him and we produce fruit with our lives. Obviously, the gardener doesn't have conversations with the branch. The gardener knows exactly what the branch needs and he's willing to do whatever it takes to see health and vitality come to that branch. The branch simply trusts the gardener to do what only the gardener can do. 
And that's you and I. Our nature is to try to control, but when we are in control, that means that we are separating ourselves from the will of the Father. And we're separating ourselves from the gardener. That's not a good place to be. When it comes to our spiritual lives, the bad news is that the Lord demands 100% control of our lives. You who are sitting here listening to me here in this room or online, you need to be aware of this statement. The Lord, the Lord demands 100% control. Nothing less, nothing held back. Remain, to remain is to remain. There is no other option. You and I have no more right to tell God what's best for our lives than the gardener hearing it from the branch. When it, <clears throat> the good news is that you can stop carrying the weight. You can stop worrying and stop being anxious about everything. The second thing that I need somebody to know here this morning is that you're in or you're out. There's no in between. You're either in or you're out. Now, I'm not an incredible baseball fan, but I have from time to time followed things that are going on. And they're not just recently, but for a very long time, there's been this question in the baseball world about umpires. Umpires, even though in, the, in technology we can go back and we can look at slow motion replays of, of a, a game or an event and we can determine what the right call should be, but that umpire is impaired in the fact that he or she is not allowed to watch a replay and so they have to make a call right there and then of whatever they think the right thing is. And umpire's job is simply this. They have to determine whether somebody's in or out. They have to determine whether it was a ball or a strike. They have to determine whether it was a, a fair ball or a foul ball. <gasps> ball. That is it. And they have to make that determination. In our lives, we are blessed by a God that gets the call perfectly every time. He doesn't need a slow motion replay. He doesn't need somebody to come in and give advice. He doesn't need a better angle. He knows, he sees, and he is there to make the right call. But yet some of us have coaches coming out, <laughs> coming out trying to argue with God in our lives about what that right call is. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's no in between. You're either in or you're out. John chapter 15, verse two through three tells us, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. You see... Jesus makes it so simple for us in this moment as he talks about those that chose to follow him. So many of our, uh, so much of the time we, we get things so confused and so, so mixed up in our lives. But it really is very simple. If you produce fruit, then the Bible says that he then Jesus says that he prunes you. If you don't produce fruit, then we are cut off. Now, 
In a room this size, there's more than likely a group of people here that has been raised in various differing faith backgrounds that as you read that scripture, it causes you a little bit of concern. Because what it says, can you be saved and then be cut off? And the answer is yes, you can. Why is that though? I thought no height, nor depth, nor any other thing can separate us from the love of God. Yes, that is also true. But can I tell you, friend, sir, ma'am, that if you don't remain in him, if you don't intend on loving him and connecting to him and reading his word and being his disciple, then then you have forfeited a relationship. You have stopped producing. And Jesus said that you'll be cut off. You'll be cut off. I need, I need us to understand that it's, it's our desire. It's our urgency. It's our passion to remain in him. If you're cut off of the vine, Jesus, the vine, who is Jesus, your life can't produce fruit no matter how hard it, it tries. If I had a, just a, a branch here, just in my hand, I thought about bringing a branch, but it was too cold to walk back outside. I hope you understand. And I held that branch in front of you and I said, will this, will this branch produce any fruit? It would be so obvious to you. No, it wouldn't. But yet, so much of the time, you and I, we, we, we want to step away from the Lord because we, we feel like we can do better. Or perhaps we allow the, the, this world and our desires in the world to pull us or, or, or allow ourselves to drift away from, being, from remaining in the, the vine. And as we do that, we perhaps don't even recognize and realize that our lives are no longer producing fruit. But we are called to do something different. We are called to remain. But something that we need to know is that the Lord isn't interested in us just producing some fruit. He desires for each one of our lives to produce much fruit. As I studied this for this message, I, I, um, I watched a, a few videos about growing a vineyard, and now I've got a spring project. It looks very interesting. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but but I, I discovered something pretty interesting. It takes about 36 inches of a branch to grow 20 leaves that will support two bunches of grapes. And in those bunches of grapes, no matter how techno technologically advanced we have gotten as a, uh, as a people in a society, there is nothing that we can do to this point to, to go along those vineyards and to, and to dress each one of those vines except still by hand to this day. 
And as that vine dresser, as that gardener walks along that vine and they begin to look at the, that vine and to recognize what vines are, or what branches are producing fruit, they begin to pull away leaves because if the leaf, be, uh, if the leaf begins to grow underneath the vine, it can actually develop mold or bacteria and and be a problem for that branch. It could it can even cause that branch to stop producing fruit and so that that vine dresser will begin to take away leaves and make sure that the branch is is pointing in the right direction. It will make sure that everything looks healthy and nice if it's putting too many leaves out and not enough fruit, then the vine dresser will remove the leaves so that it can put its energy and focus and effort into the fruit that it's growing. You see, much of our life is spent concerned and worried that the Lord is going to prune something in our lives. The truth of the matter is, is that our understanding of pruning is wrong. We need to change that. Pruning is not a punishment of our lives. When we produce our, our fruit production is always rewarded with pruning. Think about that. Our Heavenly Father sees your effort and your desire to remain in Him. And He causes you to produce fruit in your life. And as you produce fruit, He always rewards that fruit with pruning you so that you can be as healthy and productive as He has called you to be. That is the kind of care and the compassion that our God has for us. And what the enemy would love to do most is that if he can't make you fail as a Christian, then he will cause you to see an act that the loving Heavenly Father, the gardener, does in your life, and he will cause you to think that the act done in love is actually act done in hate. He loves you. And he desires to draw you closer and closer to him. And so that is the very reason why he prunes our lives. So we fit into only two categories. We're either Christians that produce fruit or we're Christians that do not produce fruit. And if we don't produce fruit, he will remove us. But when we do produce fruit, he prunes us so that we can be as healthy as possible. This is simply the word of God that you and I are now reading, that we are already being pruned and we are already being purified by God through his word. I wonder if there's somebody out there that has opened the word of God up and begin to read and your heart was cut because you realize that God is doing something different in you. That God is calling you to give something up or step away from something because it's pulling you away from him. When that happens, just know that your loving Heavenly Father is not trying to make you less, but instead he's trying to make you more. Finally, I want to say this. You're still making this too hard. You're still making this too hard. You know, one of the most important things that I've, I've learned in my life is, is that m almost everything that I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. <laughs> well, at least, especially in children's church. And you think that 
that I'm joking, but it, it's, it's almost kind of true. Because it's there in the beginning stages, the infancy of your relationship with the Lord, that you learn the very basic, fundamental, foundational understandings of who He is, what He desires to do in your heart and your life. But as we grow and we mature, everything seems to be complicated. And, and the reality of the situation is, is that that the simpler it is and the most basic it is, it, be, it is actually the most important it is for our lives. So I want to make sure that we really understand John 15, 4. Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You see, as Christians, we get confused between closeness and connectedness. You can come to church every week. You can serve as a greeter. You can... You could have worked in the life rally. You could be in the kids' church right now helping and working. But if you're not connected, if you are not remaining in Christ, your life, no matter how much work you do for the kingdom, no matter how much work you do for the church, will not produce fruit. Many of us spend so much time and energy working and serving trying to make ourselves better but I want to show you a picture in your heart and your, in your mind how tired are you how, how hard do you work to produce fruit in your own life you see that branch that's Remaining in the vine isn't sitting there worried or concerned about its fruit production. It just has one job, remain. And the fruit is a natural consequence of remaining in, in him. Each one of us may be concerned, work hard, feel tired. But the natural consequence of remaining in him is the fruit that you're after. See, maybe you come to church because you feel good and it makes you feel good. And you think that feeling good is feeling connected. But God is not interested in your emotion. God is interested in your devotion to him your connectedness, your remaining in Him. You see, I have chosen to be devoted to my wife. And my wife has chosen to be devoted to me. And it's as simple as that. But if you ask my wife on any given day, if even though it's simple, is it still hard? And I'm afraid of what she might tell you. Because just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy to remain. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by chance. It's a decision that each one of us make to remain in Christ Jesus. 
because that's where our life comes from. So are you working to produce? Are you working to grow? Are you working to serve? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Do you feel tired? I want to ask you this morning. You see, growth is a natural outcome of being connected. And it happens within us. But perhaps you and I can challenge ourselves challenge ourselves to forget about all the other things in life and focus on staying connected with him. There are four ways that we can remain. We can remain by reading his word. God's word is alive. God's word is important. God's word is the foundational basis for everything that we do in life. Not neglect the life and the love that flow from its pages into the cracks and crevices of our hearts and our lives because through God's word it brings healing and encouragement and love and wisdom and understanding through his word you and I can stand on its promises, God's promises for the healing and the joy and the peace that our lives get to enjoy through his word. Don't neglect it. Remain in prayer. Prayer is a positive habit that we can cultivate in our lives. You see, there are many negative habits by nature, but prayer certainly is something that we can trust that will draw us into a, a, the presence of a loving God. Many people have repetitious prayers. They can pray without even thinking. Jesus warned us of this. Don't pray like that, but allow your prayers to be fervent and effectual and fresh because those prayers are the prayers that rise before God as a sweet-smelling fragrance. And God says that he hears us from heaven as we offer up prayers to him. Remain in prayer. Third, remain in the right. Now, for many of us, that agrees with our natural tendencies to always be right. But this is not calling us to always be right. This is calling us simply that we obey Christ's commands all the time. Obey Christ and his commands. And there were two commands that he's given us that sum it all up. Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as who? Ourselves. And when we do those two things, we can remain in him. And finally, remain holy. Holiness is being made right by God so that when you show up to work, that fruit is produced. You can sign up to be a greeter. You can sign up to be a teacher, a small group leader. You can do all these things to make yourself busy at the church. 
And when you do those things, it's not a guarantee that your life will produce fruit. Why? It's not because you didn't show up. It's because when you showed up, you weren't ready to produce fruit. We are called to show up as holy people, dedicated, set apart for the use of God to build his kingdom and to touch his people. Would you stand with me all over this place this morning? So the question today is, are you remaining or are you being removed? Are you saved or are you sliding away from him? God has called each and every one of us, not only into his care, but to remain in him so that our lives can produce the fruit that he has for each and every one of us. God is not looking for more busyness. He's not looking for more emotion. He's not looking for people that are trying just a little bit harder. He's interested in people that will be devoted unto him, that will love him and remain in him. And then the fruit, it comes natural. So this morning, if you're here today and you know that your life isn't producing the kind of fruit that the Lord desires from you, perhaps you've never been connected to the vine or perhaps you've been connected to the vine and one, at one point your life was producing fruit, but you know it's not where you need to be. If you're here this morning, is for you. If you're here this morning and you have been connected with him and you do have fruit in your life, but you feel tired and you know that it's not where it's ne it needs to be and you're scared that the gardener is going to come and prune you. Well, fear not. He is. And you're going to be so thankful that he does. Today, if I'm praying for any one of you today, if you're that person, you say, Pastor John, I need connection. I need God to help because I want to, my life to be more fruitful for him. I want to remain in him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? If that's you, just raise your hand. Wow, hands are going up all over this place. Right now, would you put your hand on the neighbor standing next to you, on their shoulder, grab their hand. If you came with them, you can pray with them. Let's go to the Lord and let's ask him to move in our hearts and our lives that we may be better connected, better remaining in him. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for coming into our life and pruning us, caring for us, drawing everything back in our lives so that we can be better connected and better remaining in you. Lord, that our lives would produce more and more fruit for you. Lord, I pray, God, for those that haven't committed themselves to you today, that haven't connected themselves to you today. Lord, that you would draw them like only you can do. Lord, in a supernatural way, graft them into the vine, Lord Jesus, so that they, they can feel your life 
life-giving spirit so that they, their life can go from dead to life so that they can begin to produce fruit that brings them joy and brings you glory. Father, I pray, God, that you would allow us to continue to be a church that finds you, that gives hope, and does life together. Together in bunches. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise this morning? You know, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Branches and, and the fruit of the vine, grapes, they all hang out in bunches. I'm so glad that I'm with a bunch of you right now. God bless you as we go out and fulfill the purpose that he's laid on our hearts to find him to give hope and do life together.